0: Man, come on, give Jesus praise this morning. Isn't that awesome? Why don't we give a shout out uh, to Jesus for Pastor Lisa and Chris and Pastor Karina. You can see she's passionate about these young kids coming to know more of who Jesus is and the reason why he's created them. So let's just thank God for a team that is dedicated to that. Come on. One of the things I love about kids is the reality is, uh, They're not just the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And your kids at home, your kids at church, they don't get a junior Holy Spirit. They get the same spirit that we get. And that spirit wants to teach them who God is and what God has created them to do. Amen? So it's awesome that we've got a church that values this. And uh, if you're here this, this morning, it's your first time in church, I want to welcome you. Maybe you came because your kids came to the uh, To the kids camp throughout the week, I just want to welcome you. We're so happy that you're here. Uh, You're in for a good morning. It's going to be a good morning. I don't know if you have sensed it yet or if you recognize, but God is in the house today. Come on. And he wants us to leave different than when we came in. Maybe we came in burdened down by some of the struggles and the difficulties of life. I guarantee you that if you let Jesus do what he wants to do in your life, you're going to leave different than when you came in. You're going to leave lighter. You're going to leave fuller of the hope and the expectation that God is for you and He is not against you, that God's got a purpose and a direction for your life. And if you want to get a hold of that, somebody right now, just give me an amen. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here because I know what God's going to do. I know that God is faithful, and He shows up every time. Every time. He'll never let us down. And I believe that each and every person that's here this morning, I don't know what your story is. I'm going to share a little bit of my story with you this morning. Is that all right? It's Family Sunday, so I'm going to let you in, right, to a little bit of my story. But I don't know what your story is or what you're going through right now, but I I know that God knows that you're here and there's a reason and a purpose. You were destined to be here this morning. You know, one of the things that is probably one of the most difficult things for us to do in life is to wait. And I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you've been waiting on God for something. Maybe you've been waiting on God for some direction or some clarity in your job or your career path. Maybe you've been waiting on God for some clarity on where to go to school and what classes to take and September's right around the corner and you're a little bit worried and anxious because you haven't got it figured out yet. Maybe you're here and you've been waiting on God to restore a relationship. Maybe you're here and you've been waiting on God to bring healing to your body. Maybe you're here and you've been waiting on God to answer a prayer that you've been praying for a long time, it seems. And it seems as though the heavens are brass and he's quiet. Maybe you're waiting for God to answer that deep desire of your heart to find a spouse to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe you've been waiting for God to give you and your spouse a child. But it's just not happening. I don't know your story or your circumstances, but I would bet this morning that there are some people in the house that are waiting on God. Waiting on God is one of the most difficult things to do, but it is absolutely essential to the purposes of God in our lives. I think sometimes we just get so fixated on the destination of what we're waiting on God for, but God is more concerned with the journey. He's more concerned with developing His character and His heart and bringing glory to His name through your life in the now. But what do we do when we're waiting on God and God's not answering? What do we do when we're praying for healing and healing's not coming? What do we do? when we're looking for clarity and things seem cloudy? What do we do when we're looking for for direction and, and we're getting distracted? I want to tell you this morning that our perspective on waiting on God makes all the difference in the world. Our perspective on what life looks like in the midst of the trials and the circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in life make all the difference in the world. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I uh, ventured out on—I I, think—a very, very uh, great and courageous adventure. It kind of ranks up there with skydiving. Anybody ever done skydiving? A couple people. I've done it. It's pretty exhilarating. It's pretty crazy and wild and wacky. And, and I think that this adventure uh, kind of ranks right up there. My wife and I—we uh, packed up our four kids, including a newborn. And we made a drive to Penticton to visit family for the summer. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I, I Google mapped it, and it said that it would take about eight hours to get there. We didn't get there in eight hours. There were a lot of potty breaks. It's crazy how kids, hey, like, my oldest is seven, my youngest is nine weeks tomorrow, and... Uh, and it's crazy how you stop to go to the bathroom and, and one kid goes and you try and make all the other kids go. But, but they wait until five minutes after you get back in the car to say, I got to go pee. The amount of potty breaks, lunch breaks, dinner breaks, breaks to get out of the car to get a breath of fresh air because the kids are screaming and crying in the back seats. And the crazy thing is we'd done this trek before. We'd done this journey before. But somehow, someway, we forgot about what it was like. And we said, you know, we're going to do it in a day. Because we can get there in eight and a half, maybe nine hours. We'll stop for gas, pick up McDonald's on the way. We'll just shoot right through. The reality is, I was ready to pull my hair out. By the time we got to Penticton, it took two hours to actually get loaded into the car, and we didn't pull into town until probably 11, 11.30 at night. The kids were exhausted. They were done, and it was a difficult journey. I don't like when things take longer than I had hoped or I expected. But on the way back, I said to my wife, I said, you know what? We're going to book a hotel. We're going to take our time we're going to actually enjoy the journey. We're not going to stress out about where we're going to stop or when we're going to stop. We're just going to enjoy the journey. We're going to enjoy the journey. And I think oftentimes with God, it's like that. He's actually calling us to enjoy the journey, to enjoy the process through intimacy with Him, through relationship with Him. And we're more concerned about getting to where we want to go. And we don't like to wait for His purpose and His timing in our lives. Waiting can be one of the hardest things to do. And in our day and in our age, we've been conditioned to have things our way right away. And So when God doesn't show up in the way that we had hoped or expected, we get distracted and detoured from the purposes of God in our lives. And he doesn't let us go, but sometimes in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that waiting, it causes us to take a step back and we say things, I've done this, maybe you have too, I've thought this. We say things like, does does God really love me? Does God really care about my circumstance? Does He really care about my life? Because if He did, He would answer this prayer. If God truly cared, He would heal. He would restore. He would redeem. He would do what He said He would do. He would give me the desires of my heart. But the reality and the truth is, friends, whenever God wants to speak to us of His love for us, He points us to the cross of Jesus Christ, where His love, where He gave His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whoever would believe in them would not perish, but have everlasting life. And his love for you as a father, as a creator, has forever been settled. Your circumstances don't determine it. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, that's some good preaching right there. I'm going to preach myself silly. I'm encouraging myself this morning. It's Family Sunday, and I said to you, I want to bring you into my story a little bit. But before I go there, I just want to dive into some scriptures that point us to the rock that is steadfast, that point us to what to do while we're waiting. See, God isn't just in your waiting with you, but he's actually the God of your waiting. If you look at scripture, we could preach a year on waiting on God. There is story after story after story of men and women that waited on God. I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. A couple of things that I've been learning about waiting on God. Number one is trust in the goodness of God. Don't ever doubt that God loves you and that he's for you. And that he's with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't ever question that he's compassionate towards your circumstance and your situation. Don't ever doubt that he loves you and that his his goodness is for you, that his kindness is with you. And even when it seems that God is quiet, trust that he is working while you're waiting. Psalms, verse 27, or Psalms chapter 27, verse 13 and 14 says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see how trusting God in the waiting requires faith that he is good. That you will see his goodness, not just afar off. But in the land of the living, in your current valley, in your current circumstance, in what you're facing right now, it goes on to say, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31 says this, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. His ways are higher than our ways. When things don't make sense, when we can't figure them out, you can trust in His goodness that He's got the beginning from the end figured out. He's got the A to Z figured out. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith and of my faith. He who has begun a good work in you, He will be faithful to complete it. If you've seen Him do a miracle before, He will be faithful to do it again. He'll never let you go. Come on, you can grab a hold of that. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But to those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. It's a promise. All of his promises are yes and amen. In the midst of our waiting, when we anchor ourselves in the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, you can have your strength renewed, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. It says, they shall mount up on, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friends, he can do anything at any time with anyone. He is the God of suddenlies. And suddenly, when the disciples were waiting in the upper room, they were waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly... A wind, a sound came like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly, God is the God of suddenlies. I think about the children of Israel when they were about to step into the promised land in the book of Joshua. And they came across the Jordan and they came up against the walls of Jericho. And God was calling them to wait on him for direction, to wait on him for what to do next. And it seemed crazy. It didn't make sense to them. But God was calling them not to wait like this. Okay, God. Do something. But to actually put one foot in front of the other. And by faith, walk around that city. Seven days you will walk around this city by faith without making a sound, f- by faith following and waiting for God to give them the next step, to give them the next direction. And then he told them the seventh day, walk around that wall seven times and shout, and the walls will come down. Some of you this morning, you've been walking by faith. This morning, you got to shout for those walls to come down. You got to shout at those things that are blocking and discouragement and depression. You got to shout your way out and let those falls, the walls fall down because God is good and God is faithful and you can trust him. He can do anything at any time. Trust his goodness. Number two uh, thing I've been learning about waiting is to surrender to his ways and his timing. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's another promise another promise that he shall direct your pass he will lead you in the waiting on what to do next you know i find that one of the worst things one of the things that's uh, probably worse than waiting is stepping out and trying to do things in our own timing not waiting is worse than waiting on god not waiting for clarity in a direction is actually ends up being worse than waiting for God's perfect timing. Trust His timing. Don't ever lose confidence in His timing. It's far better to wait for God's perfect timing and have things fall into place than to rush ahead of God and have things fall apart. Surrender to His ways and His timing. While you're surrendering to his ways and his timing, the way to strengthen yourself is to anchor yourself in the word of God. Anchor yourself in the word of God. It will breathe hope, just like you've sensed this morning as I've read some of these scriptures. Spend time in his word. Anchor yourself. Psalms 130 verse 5 says this. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. Micah 7, verse 7 says this, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Psalms forty one to 3 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He hears your cry, friend. Even if you don't know Him yet, He hears your cry. Even if you're here this morning, and the cry of your heart Husband, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. He hears your cry. He hears your cry. He says, he has also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. In God's timing, when he reveals his purpose and his plan, he always gets the glory. That's what it's about, friends. Lastly, I want you to know this morning that God is working in your waiting. God is working while you're waiting. You might not see it. It might be behind the scenes. But don't be fooled. He has not left you. He is working while you're waiting. And he's trying to work on you. More than he's probably trying to work on your circumstance. Because your circumstance, he can change in an instant. But in your heart, he wants to work out his purpose for salvation. In your heart, he wants to work out his desire. In your heart, he wants to work out his character. So that when you get squeezed by life, he will come out. I want to share a story with you in closing. It's Family Sunday, so I want to let you in to a little bit of my story. You saw that picture up there earlier of my beautiful wife and our four kids, my oldest, Christiana, she's seven, Sammy's four. Tobias is two, and little Ava Grace is nine weeks old tomorrow. And you might look at a picture like that and be like, what a beautiful, perfect family. That's so cute. That guy on the right, he's so handsome. At least my wife tells me that. Man, it must be a perfect little, they must live in a house with a white picket fence. But the reality is you don't know the backstory. And in life, when we see people, we can so easily compare. We can so easily draw a contrast between what they're going through or the blessing that they're experiencing, what we're experiencing. That's, that's a tool of the enemy. And so, Krista and I, we've been married 16 years this September. We got saved just before we got married, about a year before we got married. We met in a nightclub. Her dad is a pastor. She was far from God. She was working in a nightclub. That's a whole other story. But very quickly after we got married, we had such a deep desire to have kids. And I believe it's a godly desire to have kids. And see, God had radically transformed and changed our lives. And we were living 180 degrees different than we were living before. And God was good, and he's doing amazing things in our lives, but he knew this desire in our hearts to have kids, and a year went by. You expect these things to happen pretty quick. And two years go by, nothing. It's not happening. And I remember, not in a place of anger, but maybe a place of frustration, calling out to God in this one moment of prayer. I was like, God, what is going on here? You know that this is such a deep desire of my life. I love kids. I want to be a dad. I want to raise kids. I want this to be a big part of our life, and we're not getting any younger. It's like 24. And I remember saying, God, what's the deal? Is there sin in my life? Funny, hey? We can point out something that God God already dealt with as the cause of something not working out the way that we want it to work out. God spoke to me in that moment. He said, Casey, it's not because there's sin in your life. We dealt with that at the cross. You've been forgiven, the slate has been wiped clean. You're a brand new person. I no longer hold the sins against you of your past. My grace is sufficient. It's not because there's sin in your life. It's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's not because you're doing something outside of my will, but it's actually because you're in my will. And it was like like an epiphany. God's like, it's actually because you're in my will. And in my will, in my perfect timing, you will have a child. And he gave me a promise in that moment. I remember coming back and telling Krista. And she had this condition, this health condition called endometriosis. We would go and we would get a surgery, a a minor surgery to to get that lining burnt off. And they say that you're the most fertile after that minor surgery. And and the thing was, is it wasn't happening after those situations. and, And it was difficult. And she would say, Casey, are you sure you heard from God? And at moments, I questioned it too, because it wasn't happening. And around us in that season of our life, we had people that didn't have the best of circumstances. And they were getting pregnant by different guys and having babies. And there was moments at maybe bridal sheriffs that we would be it would be hard, it would be difficult to celebrate with those that were celebrating. And the enemy would come and he'd try and bring just, just envy or he'd try and bring discouragement. And, and it was three, four years into it. And I remember just going, God, we got to hold on to your promise. You are good. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. About five years in, it still didn't happen. We had felt God stirring our hearts to go to Australia to do a ministry to backpackers. I had went there before I was a Christian. You got all these young people looking for answers in life. And rather than just sitting back home and just waiting on God, we decided we were going to pursue God in the midst of our waiting. We were going to go after the purposes of God in the midst of our waiting. While we, even if we didn't see that happening right away. So we sold our house. We put everything in storage. We jumped on a plane and we went to Australia for a year. I remember before we left Australia, uh, people would tell us, you know what? Maybe now all the stress of finances and mortgage and all these different things, now that that's removed from your life, stress can cause infertility. Maybe you'll get pregnant when you come back. And that was my hope. That was my desire. But when we got back a year later, 2008, we still weren't pregnant. We went away to pray and seek the Lord and ask him what's next. And we were in Whistler and we were sitting in a Starbucks. And Krista had her Bible out and she was journaling. And she began to cry. And I said, babe, what's going on? She said, just give me a second. She's crying and she's writing in her journal. What had happened, she shared with me, is as she looked out the window, she saw a dad playing with his little three-year-old girl in this little park in Whistler. And in that moment, not audibly, but a quiet, still, small voice, God spoke to her and he said, you're going to have a little girl. And this is what she's going to be like. And he began to speak to her all the ways that this little girl would be passionate for Jesus. All the ways that she would be passionate for worship. All the ways that she would go farther with the gospel than we had ever gone. All the ways that she would be so intimate and close to him. We still have that journal entry. And so we came back from that trip. We thought to ourselves, okay, so God's going to give us a child. Now he's spoken to us, he's going to give us a little girl. But we got to do something. I feel like we need to do something as a step of faith. And we just moved into a house. We decided to paint one of the rooms in that house pink. And we took a step of faith, and we painted that baby room pink. And when our friends and our family would come over, some of them not believers, they would come over. They'd want to see the house. And we'd be like, yeah, you can't go in that room because you already think we're crazy enough for following Jesus. But you're going to think we're really wacky for painting a room pink when we haven't even gotten pregnant yet. So we started to go to the doctors and say, okay, well, we need to find out what's going on. And we need to just seek the Lord and ask him what, He would want us to do, the story uh, actually is going to be on Angela Jones' blog site. Anybody know Angela Jones? She goes to this church. she here? No, she thinks she's on holiday. She just interviewed us, and you can read it all about it. I'm not going to go all the way into it. But basically in that moment, we said, okay, God, is it adoption? Is it through fertility drugs or in vitro? What do you want to do, God? And we would go to the doctors, and a doctor would look at Krista's file, She's still battling through this endometriosis. And doctors would say, unless you do fertility drugs, it's impossible for you to get pregnant. And I remember we took some of those requisitions home. And this is just our story. There's nothing wrong with adoption or or fertility drugs or in vitro, whatever God leads you in your story. But we took those home and we prayed over them. We said, we don't want to move until we hear you answer us clearly on what you want to do. And there's this moment, about three months in, that Krista shared with me, she had with Jesus, where God spoke to her and said, do you trust me? Krista said, yeah, I trust you, God. And he said, do you trust that I'll fulfill my promise? And she said, yeah, I trust you. He said, do you trust me to do nothing? She's like, whoa. (laughs) But they're saying It's impossible. And God said, what did they say about Sarah? In the Bible, when she was of old age, and they said her womb was as good as death. She said, God, I don't have a faith like that. I need a faith that I don't have. And she felt like God met her in that moment and deposited a gift of faith in her heart and in her spirit. And he said, you could do this now. You will have an Ishmael, but I've got an Isaac for you. The promised one. And so we didn't do in vitro, we didn't do fertility drugs. We just stood on the faithfulness of God in the leading and the direction of the purpose and the plan that he had, and we pursued him. A few months later, we were, went to see another doctor, and the doctor looked at the file and invited the worship team back up. A new doctor looked at the file, and he looked at us and he said, unless you do in vitro, it is impossible for you to get pregnant. You need to be serious about this if you want kids. And that kind of rocked us. That kind of shook us, the reports of somebody else. But see, God is so faithful. In those moments, in those times that we felt like our feet were kicked out from underneath us. He brought a lady one morning at church that came up to us. She doesn't know us. She doesn't know our story. She handed us a little piece of paper. She said, I feel like this is for you. If it's not, I'm sorry, and walked away. We opened that piece of paper up. It was the scripture where the Lord remembered Hannah. Hannah was barren without a child. And she was in the temple crying out to God. And she had a child named Samuel. It says the Lord remembered Hannah and she was with child. Another time, a few weeks later, we were at another event. And this pastor, this lady comes up to Krista. And I feel like right now is the season of Hannah. The fulfillment of the promise of Hannah. She didn't know our story. She didn't know our circumstance. And I don't know your story, and I don't know your circumstance, but as I was praying for you this morning, I felt like God was saying, He wants to move you from a season of waiting to a now season. He wants to move you from a season of discouragement to a season of expectation. And if you will let Him this morning, God will meet you right where you are and answer the desires, the deep desires of your heart. God is for you, and He's with you in your waiting. So a few months later, we were driving up to Penticton to visit family. And Krista looked at me, and she said, Casey, I'm late. She was pretty regular. She was pretty on time. And I'm like, "Woo!" just in case anyone was sleeping. I'm trying to wake you up. I said, this is it, baby. We're going to have a child. This is the promise. And she said, I don't want to get my expectations up just in case this isn't. I I said, no, don't let the enemy rob you of this joy. This is it. Pulled into Penticton, went to Shopper's Drug Mart. Picked up a double pack for pregnancy tests. We went down to the bathroom. Christopede on the stick. Maybe too much information, but it was negative. It was negative. And I felt my heart drop, kind of like that mic just dropped. I said, pee on the other one, quick. She pulled out the other stick and it was negative. still remember that moment. My heart just sunk. We were there for a week and I just couldn't get this thought out of my mind. I'm like, God, how can this be? You gave us a promise. How can this be? You gave us a promise. Like we painted the baby room pink. We bought a baby dedication dress. How could this be, God? But a month went by. God just was working on my heart. I pulled home from work one night, and I was sitting out front of the house. I'm still going through my mind. I'm like, God, how can this be? You gave us a promise. And I heard God say, what did I give Abraham? He said, you gave him a promise. He said, what did I ask him to do with that promise? Friends, I knew what he was asking me. I said, God, don't ask me to do that. He He asked Abraham to put the promised child on the altar. And he was asking me to put this promise on the altar and saying, will you still trust me, even if you never see this child? Will you still give me everything that you are, even if you never see the answer to this promise? And I remember just coming to a place in my heart and my spirit of surrender, saying, God, yes. I was dead, and you made me alive. I was broken you made me whole I was blind but now I see I was bound and a slave to sin but you set me free where else would I go God you loved me you gave yourself for me I'm going to hold on to that and if you never do anything ever again for me in my life that is more than enough I felt this burden lift off my shoulders I felt this joy enter my heart like I'd never experienced before. A little while later, Chris and I went grocery shopping and we came home. She slipped upstairs. I was sitting downstairs at the kitchen table. She came down crying. You're going to be a daddy! I thought she said, the cat's dead! I didn't know what she said. I said, what? She said, you're going to be a daddy. I'm like, what? What? Are you kidding me? Like now? Right now? I hugged her. I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She said, I know it's okay. And now baby after baby after baby after baby. Baby. We gotta figure out a way to stop this. But here's the thing, friends God is faithful to his promises. And if he has done it for me, he can do it for you. Stand to your feet all over this place. Come on. I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come to the front. I really feel three things that there are people in this building this morning, there are couples. Maybe you've had one child but the second one isn't coming. Maybe you have not been able to get pregnant. I feel like God's going to open up some wombs and do some miraculous healings in this place today. I know the wait is difficult, whether it's a year or whether it's five years or whether it's eight years. It's hard. But you can trust God in your waiting. Maybe you're here and you need a healing in your body for something different. I believe that God wants to answer your prayer this morning. Maybe you've been waiting. And that doctor's report has been all you've been thinking about. I give you a new report today. In Jesus' name, by His stripes, you are healed. Maybe you're here this morning. And you've been looking to God and you've been waiting for Him to bring the right person for you to spend the rest of your life with. Wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. He will answer your prayer. Maybe you're here. You've been looking for clarity in direction, clarity in purpose, clarity in where to go to school, what to do for work. Maybe you're here. You've been waiting for a, a wayward son or a wayward daughter to come home. I'm declaring to you today that today is the day of salvation. It is a now season. So if any of this at all has spoken to you, I know uh, in my old church people would flood forward during prayer time because there's an importance of agreeing together where any two of you agree on anything, it shall be done. There's an importance that if God's spoken to you, that you take a step of faith and allow one of these brothers and sisters to agree with you in prayer. So don't leave this place without having someone pray for you. I'm going to pray. We're going to open it up. We're going to worship God. I'm going to invite you to come forward and God's going to answer you. Jesus, we give you praise. Woo! God, we give you praise. You are good. We can trust you, God. Even in the silence. Even in the waiting. Even in the discouragement. Even when we're faithless. You remain Faithful, And this morning, we anchor ourselves that all your promises are yes and amen. So I pray for over every circumstance. I pray over every situation, God. Pour out your spirit. Do something mighty in our midst today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if that's you. If God spoke to you. Maybe you've been waiting in this place. Maybe you've been waiting for God to reveal himself to you. You've never given your life to Jesus. Now is the time. Come on, don't wait. We're going to pray and agree with you while we worship.